Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and the Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. And I'm Jamie, and someday you're going to be wrong, and I just hope I'm there to see it. Alright. We both went original trilogy. We're still in Clone Wars. We're doing our 11th episode of Clone Wars, which is Rookies, which is Season 1, Episode 5. It originally aired October 24th, 2008. Um, now we usually banter back and forth if you've done any Star Wars lately. Yeah, I've done quite a... Well, not as much as you would think, but... I mean, I've finished up Kenobi. Um, finished up the new... Um, the new book, Shadow of the Sith, and just randomly watching episodes of um, of uh, shows that I like, and then I watched the the bootleg trailer that you sent to me. For yeah, the, the bootleg uh, for season bootleg three, Mando season three trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, by the time this gets up, that'll probably be out. <laughs> talking about it, maybe ah. we'll do a maybe we'll do a supplement. <laughs> Maybe the hero who uh, who recorded it and and released it will force their hand and be like, okay, it's out. We just gotta give them a good version now. So rather than talk about Star Wars that we've done, I thought we could talk a little bit about Star Wars that is at least for us at this point in time, at the time of this recording, about to come out. Um, so so what do you think? So Andor is the next live action. Um, Star Wars show that's going to be on Disney Plus. Yeah, so Andor is released on August thirty first, two thousand and twenty two. Just real quick, what are your expectations slash excitement level for this sort of Rogue One prequel? You know, like anything Star Wars, it it has to be a really shitty premise not for me to be excited. And even then, I'll like, yeah, of course I'll 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 uh, I'll watch it or read it or. Or however I can consume it, but uh, um, I was excited because I really love Rogue One. But after seeing the trailer, I am I am so on board. It looks like a it looks like um, kind of like like a spy thriller kind of the like the the politics that Phantom Menace tried to make interesting. This looks like it's that, or at least part of it. Light the Mon Mothma side. Yes, you heard it here first. Now trade routes will taxation of trade routes will be exciting. <laughs> and and or no, I think the Mon Mothma stuff looks great. The trailer is just amazing, like the way that they're framing it out. Um it's twelve episodes too. Oh man. I'm I'm hoping there's not a lot of filler. Um there's always there's always filler episodes. This is like yeah, that's great. We had this B story about this character that I don't give a real fuck about. Let's get back to the real cool stuff, you know. Um, you don't you don't think the episode where he goes and picks up his dry cleaning is going to be satisfying? Yeah. <laughs> or has to like buy like a a rye bread, a, a loaf of rye bread for a dinner party. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. <laughs> so we go into NBC. We tell them we got an idea for a show about nothing. Exactly. They say, "What's your show about?" I say, "Nothing." There you go. <laughs> I think. I don't know. You and I 
differ slightly in the filler episode stuff. I understand your your point of view for sure, because uh, sometimes I get frustrated. Like, like what is? How does this feed the, the greater plot? Where are we going with this? But I've also said I would watch a show where they follow garbage man around on mm-hmm. Coruscant. It, it's just I just want. It just makes me feel good to be in the universe. Yeah. No, I I, I like it because I like this idea of it because it's a very it's a very uh, interesting time. There's uh, like the the empire. The empire is ascendant at this point. It's it's got a firm hold. It's been around for a while, and it's still it's just um, it's really just like getting going now. And it's just like for me, and kind of mirrors a little bit of what's going on in our current environment. Like this is this is when the Nazis first took over. Right. This is like everything's going to fucking hell, and there's um, the there is a resistance, but it's so you can't say shit, you can't do anything because it's so like um, there's just everywhere. It's like nascent. Um, it's like very very beginnings, and they're very weak, and they don't have a they don't have a clear mission or a way to achieve their objectives, or even what those objectives are, other than to slow this backslide into fascism mm-hmm. right yeah it's, you're right it's it's where we are in our own society right now it's like what are we supposed to do right is there anything we can do to slow the backslide into fascism um yeah this this takes place starting in 5 bby so five years before um rogue one basically five years earlier so this is so then right around when rebels is happening Exactly. It's the exact same time period Rebels is happening. And so there's oh. potential crossover. Yeah, at least hearing about it. Because Saw is active. And oh, um, oh, wow, there's so much that could be happening. Because this is like, like the Rebel Alliance wasn't really... They were kind of a thing, but not really a thing. They didn't... Like, going back from Rogue One, um, Jin and Cassian are the ones that kind of forced them to uh, confront the problem of the Empire instead of just being this rebellion. Saw was kind of a terrorist already doing it, but the Rebel Alliance was kind of just a, yeah, like, we, the Empire's bad, we should do something. And not really doing anything, anything significance. Um, other than, like, um, the events of Rebels. Right. Um, it gets tough. It gets tough because... The Battle of Scarif was supposed to be their first major victory, but there's all these little skirmishes and like like smaller battles that are barely worth mentioning that aren't necessarily the Rebel Alliance, but they're people in resistance cells fighting back. So it makes me excited that we're going to see some of that. I think I think I've described this show to you multiple times as um, Munich in Star Wars. That's what I want it to be. Um, the movie Munich, where they talk about the Olympic Olympic bombings, or sorry, Olympic kidnappings um, in the 70s. Yeah, where, and, yeah, where the Israeli uh, athletes were killed. Right. Um, so I want I want that movie to be um, I want to be sort of quoting that movie. So the end of the episode is. Uh... Is uh, Cassie Nandor having sex with his wife and flashing back to all the bad things that he did? Sure, I would. <laughs> I'd watch that. Uh, okay. I mean, Munich, Munich got pretty preachy about like the cost of that war, 
but mm-hmm. like Eric Bana yeah. could be Kazian's character, right? Yeah. Little, little known fact: Eric Bana, he was a comedic actor. He like had his own com- comedy show in Australia. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, you should look it up on YouTube. It's actually really funny. Um, but yeah, like I, I, li- I like, I just, I like the, I- the idea of like the, they're super secretive, you know, like, cause I've always thought, and like we've talked about, like, how do you get into the Rebel Alliance? It's like, how do you find a, a militia to join without accidentally like falling into the prey, <laughs> falling in, prey to the FBI or whatever, uh, organization? Not that I'm saying I want to, I'm just saying like, how do you, how do you find people like that? And this is like at a, like a galactic scale. Like Alphabet Squadron talked about it briefly. How it's like some people would like try to find their way through the rebellion, and then just ended up like becoming slaves. Like people would be like, "Oh yeah, we'll take you to the rebellion," and then like, "Oh, you're a slave now." I was gonna say there was a, there was a book. Was it Alphabet Squadron that said that if they got separated, if they if they missed the rendezvous point, they would have to like go to a tavern in like a, a system that had sort of. That was sort of on the edge and like sniff around until they found a recruiter and and then like tell them like a code and then they could get back in but like when it's so distributed like that it's it's very hard to understand how it works mm-hmm. you know uh, oh i just had a thought this is like depending upon when it happens have brent spiner in the show what would he play He'd be the uh, the uh, what's his name the senator in exile who's actually an imperial plant. Oh yeah, the guy from the 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 radio broadcast that mm-hmm. Ezra um, admires. What the hell was his name? That was like Gale or something. I I don't. Let's look up Brent Spiner in Wikipedia. Rise of the old masters. Come on. Wikipedia. Yeah, Gale Travis. I was thinking Gale Travis, but I didn't want to say. Yeah, you're right. Gail Travis. Nailed it. Got it in one. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah, have him come in. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'd totally forgotten about that. Yeah, because it's it's a very, like, time, like you can't you can't see what you're thinking. You're so afraid because everybody's turning on everybody else. Like, in order to save your own skin, you, you fuck over other people. Oh, um, it's going to get dark, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, because I mean, he, the beginning of Rogue One, he kills a guy just because he's a witness. Right, right, and he's afraid he's going to give him up. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I really like the character Andor. I think it's so so wonderful. I need to find. I need to dig out that K2SO comic and read that again. I haven't read that in years. Figure out where what time that takes place. Because I know Alan Tudyk isn't listed in the cast, but it seems like a huge missed opportunity. Yeah. But there might be a canon reason for that. All right, so it sounds like we're both on board for Andor. Um, we can definitely talk about that more later. Um, but is there anything else you want to talk about today? I can't think of anything. Um, the, oh, I'm just looking at like there's a poster uh, like on IMDb for Andor. It's it's done in the uh, oh I don't know a very propaganda style, just basic like three colors. Um, oh yeah, I see it. The teaser poster. Mm-hmm. I'm just super excited, and like some of the people I see that I see in it, it should be it should be good. I'm I'm super excited about it, and I'm and of course I'm also for other Star Wars stuff. I'm 
excited for like the new any the new books to come out the um the next uh, Mandalorian season I don't know just uh, man it's it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan I mean the other thing that's coming up that's super relevant to us is that Bad Batch is coming back oh Bad Batch how did I how could I miss Bad Batch that I'm just it's a good time to be a star I mean right now it isn't because we're just like in between but uh otherwise it's still great and here oh I just thought of something else that I would want to see because they've never they've never really um they've never really explored it is the idea of imperial loyalty officers just members of the like the ISB who are just there just to make sure that you're loyal and will fuck you up if you're not if you do anything that they don't like they they brought the whole ID sorry the whole idea in with uh Sinjuras Velas in Aftermath and apparently there was a loyalty officer on the supremacy in the last Jedi but they didn't really that was in the novelization but I like the idea like I would love to see that sort of uh, character, or just a uh, show like an like the Imperial Security uh, Bureau, where they're just like like they're spying on their own people and brutalizing them to, to keep in line. Yeah, I just looked up the I just looked up the loyalty officer in Wikipedia, and it's an aftermath. It's mentioned in Squadrons. It's in Last Jedi audiobook or novelization. But it's really an alphabet squadron, but it's really not in any of the live-action stuff at all or, or cartoons. So, yeah, that would be a great thing to pull in, have, like, people... Because if it's going to be, like, a spy thriller, then they should make the espionage go, go both ways. Mm-hmm. That would that would be ideal. All right. Do you want to move on? Yeah, I mean, we could talk about this sort of stuff forever. I mean, and and again, like... Without putting any, without saying any spoilers, how did you react to the uh, season three leaked season three trailer? So I, I sort of have I have a very loose policy that I don't watch leak material because there's a lot of especially around the move when the movies were coming out there would be like leaked scenes and I I, I did it for. I'm not very, I'm not super strong about it, but I don't like when stuff is obviously stolen, mm-hmm. like 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 screen or like um, people taking photos on set and like leaking stuff. I find that stuff pretty annoying. Yeah, me too. Like, if if they're gonna, you should let them market the sh- the movie or the show to you the way they want to. And so when I saw the link on Twitter this morning and I was like oh like did they release it and then I started clicking on it it was obviously a bootleg copy of someone filming it with their phone I debated whether or not I wanted to watch it and I was like I'm at this point I'm pretty annoyed that they haven't released this stuff that they showed at Celebration um, because there was no reason Celebration's over it's been over for two months they showed multiple trailers there that they haven't released and so I watched the bootleg trailer um, I loved it. It made me, it made me excited for Mando season three more than I thought was possible. Yeah, I, I, I had the same feeling. I was, there's very like chills and a little like 
tears of joy. And unlike you, I don't go for spoilers. I had seen that there was something released, but I wasn't going to click on some clickbait, sorry, clickbait article that just ends up being bullshit, you know? Right. Uh, I'm, I'm just so sick of, like, all those sites it's just stirring up controversies or talking about shit that's like, yeah, I already know this. Fuck off. Uh, but like you sent it to me, it's like, well, if it's good enough for Matt, it's good enough for me. <laughs> uh, well, I, I did. I prefaced it, right? I said, there's a bootleg copy of this trailer out there. Yeah. And then you texted me almost immediately back and you said, Link. And then I sent you the link, right? And it was like, it's not official. I mean, it is official marketing, but it hasn't been released to the general public for some reason. And presumably it will be. I'm sure probably by the time this is published, it will be. But um, it's there's so much in it that when they release it, we probably just need to sit down and talk about it. Just mm-hmm. dump an hour on it. Cause oh, yeah. The version that we saw was bootleg, so people were cheering and clapping over some dialogue and, th- and stuff. And it's just like a little two minute thing. And yes, I, it made me, I was excited for it. Then when I saw some of the things in the trailer, I was like, okay, I didn't know they're going to do this, but let's do this. I'm super excited for nothing in the trailer made me worried, you know? Yeah, no, no. I made, made me super, just super excited for it. Yeah, quite the contrary. I was very just like, this is, once again, I'm going to put you know, the, oh, my life will be complete once I watch this. And then after it's <laughs> over, then it's just like, oh, oh, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? <laughs> yeah, I also assume that this is the last season of Mandalorian. They'll be pushing, like, their heir to the Empire, Ahsoka, Thrawn, Luke, Jedi Academy stuff after that, I, I well, bet. yeah. Hopefully they can explain where the hell the Mandalorians were during the events of the sequel trilogy. Yes, that would be nice to know. But anyways, should we get on to the episode? Sure. Um, Today we're talking about Clone Wars, the episode Rookies, season one, episode five. We're still watching them in the in-universe chronological order, so this is episode 11 for us. Um, the little fortune cookie billboard at the beginning of the episode is the best competence builder is experience. All right, on to the plot summary. Um, clone forces rally as the war escalates. New clones are being rushed into service. Some clones who have not received enough training um, are sent to these train or they're sent to these tracking stations or listening stations that sort of maintain the border between the separatists. And the and the Republic. Not everybody gets to be on the front lines, or you know, get to do cool stuff. Sometimes you're just in the rear with the gear. Yep, that's what these guys are. These are they've got sort of a tedious, boring job. We're gonna get way in the paint on that, I think. Um, so this takes place on a place called the Rishi Moon, um, and some clones are checking on this deserted base in the middle of nowhere. Um, they're listening to music and arm wrestling in the command center. Um, and this is Domino Squadron. Yeah. People we saw in the previous episode. So there is there is something cool. I don't know if you picked it up. But they're listening to the Republic's version of um, kind of like Armed Forces Radio. Yeah. And the, I don't know what you would call them, DJ 
or whatever. It's like she says this goes out to I believe she says this goes out to the mud jumpers on Mimban. Yep. Mimban being where Han, Han Solo ended up after he got booted out of the uh, uh, Imperial Academy. Yeah, so that, that droid is BD-3000, and her name is Betty Bot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the reference to Mimban is in the is in the last section of the notes, but I'm glad you caught that too. It's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful little piece, and it is the first mention of it's the first canon mention of Minban. Yeah, yeah. I'm like uh, sorry. I'm like Steve Rogers in Avengers. Like I I know that reference. I know that reference. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this is Domino Squadron. Echo Five's heavy droid bait and cut up are all here. Um, this post is boring but very important. It is the last listening station before Camino. So if there's an invasion that's going to attack Kamino, it has to go through this sector. The sergeant tells them to get everything in order for the upcoming inspection. The sergeant for a clone named Callout um, is O-Niner. Hmm. That's his, that's his clone name. It's probably based on his number, but I didn't do too much back research on him because I went down a different rabbit hole that we'll get to. <laughs> Um, so there, there's an, some sort of inspection happening coming up. Um, we flash to the Republic fleet. Anakin and Obi-Wan are discussing the whereabouts of Grievous. There's a lot of Anakin and Obi-Wan banter in this that doesn't go anywhere. Anakin is obsessed with finding him, but Obi-Wan is worried that Anakin is pushing himself too hard. Ilarin comes over and patches Cody in through a hologram. He says he's doing the inspections on the listening stations. He says he's headed to the Rishi station next. All right, so at the Rishi station... There's an incoming meteor shower. This is a frequent event on this moon. The sort of the setting of this moon is a completely pocked surface. And reading about the very limited resources I could find on the design of this moon, it's just meant to be completely covered in craters and holes. Um, we'll get to why there's holes in a second. Um, so the clones raise the shields to block the meteor meteors. This is the most action they usually get. But the deck officer is sort of scanning um, the field and notices that one of the meteors is actually a ship. Yeah, this is actually a cool, um, I guess, callback as far as release time, but not in like um, the canonical timeline. Is that like Empire Strikes Back? There's the the probe droid comes in, there's a meteor shower and the probe droid kind of comes in and they're just like like, with all these meteors it'll be hard to uh, detect if, uh, if there's a incoming force the the hide, hiding something as a meteor is not new to Star Wars it's a good strategy too, right um, and so there's a couple, a couple good references in this, one yes, absolutely, you're right, that an empire they hide the probe droid as a meteorite as well. Um, but also the ship that crashes on the planet as the meteorite in this episode is the same ship that is used in the Malevolence episode that's going around crushing the escape pods. You're it's right. The exact, it's the exact same model. And so it's that's a callback to just like three or four episodes ago. It's it's a wonderful use of of their own art. And design. All right, so the deck officer notices the ship, 
but before he is able to radio it in, he's killed, and then several droids per- approach the base. Yeah, it's our deck officer. Deck officer! Deck officer! The other clones inside, um, they can't raise the deck officer. They're calling out to him over the radio, and so they say, well, go outside. The Sergeant 09er tells two clones to go outside and find him. Um, they encounter the droids, who have basically sliced the door and are in the facility. The clones are not doing so well in this initial firefight, and the sergeant runs down there, and he's killed in the blaster barrage. Um, overall, four of them escape this initial attack. And these these droids, I should say, are the BX Commando droids that are running around. They're like the humanoid ones, and we're going to talk about that in a little mm-hmm. bit. They're the advanced models. So the clones retreat to the command center and then exit the station through the ductwork. The droids take control of the station. Only four clones escape. And the droids hardwire the all-clear signal. Um, and then they call Grievous. And so this is where we learn what their actual plan is. They want to take over the plant. And so basically a distress call can't be sent. Mm-hmm. Warning of this pending invasion. Um, the Republic will not know that Grievous is passing through on his way to attack Camino. Grievous, Ventress gets on the, the phone with Grievous via hologram and says that the preparations for his attack are in place. Um, she's on Camino waiting for him, and Grievous wants to destroy the cloning facility. Um, but he'll have to wait till Bad Batch for that to happen. Yeah. Alert. <laughs> um, this this pays off. Like Ventress comes out of nowhere in this episode and does nothing, but it mm-hmm. pays off. Um, in future episodes. So Commander Cody tries to contact the outpost because he's coming in for the inspection and a droid impersonating a clone gets on the channel and tries to get him to cancel the inspection. This is a new ability of these commando droids. They're less slapsticky than the B1 battle droids and they have the ability to modulate their voice. Mm-hmm. And so he, he definitely sounds like a clone but he, he's still using sort of his droid voice cadence and and like idioms. Yeah. I don't know I don't know how to say it, but he says like Roger Roger still. Alright, so Rex tells Cody that he can be in charge of the inspection. Cody thinks something's not right when the clone at the station signed off with Roger Roger. Um, the four clones that escaped are now on the surface of the moon. It's cut up it's cut up fives, echo and heavy. Um and then immediately after they sort of exit, they're on the surface. Um, Cutup is killed by Rishi Eel. He is just eaten immediately. Echo and Echo Heavy and Fives continue as they see Commander Cody's shuttle land for the inspection. Cody immediately comments on the lack of a deck officer. Deck officer. Domino Squad tries to contact them through the radio, but they the radio doesn't work. There's too much interference. Uh, Cody joins the I have a bad feeling about this club, which is fun. And a droid in a clone uniform tries to end the inspection. Um, this is sort of a fun moment because the the droid comes out in the clone armor and he is he's almost quoting Han Solo in the prison. Oh, yeah. Where he says, we're, we're all fine here. Everything's okay. How are you? <laughs> It's it's not quite a it's not it's not an exact quote, but it's very close. Yeah. 
it's it's close enough to you know it's intentional um while they're talking a flare appears they the clones that escaped the four clones fired now three clones fired a flare and it is a droid attack flare rex immediately pulls out a gun and shoots the clone standing in front of them in the head and revealing that the clone was a droid in disguise they are ambushed immediately and have to retreat because they're under attack Mm -hmm. the droids have new armor that can withstand a few blasts and then thermal detonators roll out and destroy Rex and Cody's shuttle, and they jump off the platform. We're going to say something, sorry. Yeah, it's just like, what good is the armor? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it's a, it's a plot thing, right? Like, yeah. It works when it has to work, and it doesn't work when it doesn't have to work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not... It's not a good advertisement for the armor because he just literally shoots this guy in the head. Also, you better be fucking sure. (laughs) (laughs) What I really wanted to happen was Rex pulls the blaster out, shoots the clone in the head. (laughs) Cody says something like, fucking stop doing that. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta stop. Yeah. One of these days I'm gonna be right. (laughs) yeah or he takes the helmet off and he's like one out of six ain't bad (laughs) (laughs) all right um all right so the rex and cody jump off the platform the droids assume that the clones are all dead now for some reason but Rex and Cody just repel to the surface of the moon Domino's squad approaches and Rex and Cody demand that they remove their helmets they take their helmets off they're all clones um, Rex then a reshield pops out of the moon again and Rex unceremoniously kills it super fast mm-hmm. um, then he takes the blood and wipes it on Echo. So Echo's the one with the handprint on his uniform from now on. And Rex says that they're all shinies. They're all shiny and new. Um, we have a, we cut back to the fleet a couple times for no particular reason. Just to show that they're monitoring the situation, I guess. Or passively monitoring the situation. Anakin and Yularen are there and they say they can't raise Rex or Cody on the comms. Anakin and Obi-Wan argue needlessly about Grievous. This, it just cuts away literally for like 10 seconds. Back on the moon, now the five clones are moving back to the base. Rex approaches the door. The droids think he's the droid in the clone armor, and he holds up a droid head to the door camera, and the droid opens the door. Um, Back on the moon, the five clones are moving back to the base. Rex approaches the door. The droids think he's the droid in clone armor, and he holds up a droid head to the door camera, and the droid opens the door. There's a, this is a ridiculous exchange, um, but it's funny because they sort of recognize that it's ridiculous, and Rex just keeps saying "Roger, Roger," and waving this dead droid's head around, mm-hmm. and they and they open it. So now the clones are back inside the base, and they rush into the command center, shooting droids as they go. Um, they're taking some injuries, but everyone seems to be fine. Eventually, they, they're in, back in control of the base. The clones see that the Scepter's fleet is passing through the system, but the base is transmitting an all-clear signal. 
Um, Grievous is worried because he's lost contact with his droids, so he sends reinforcements down to the moon. Um, and it's a bunch of B1 battle droids, and they they exit this droid dropship and start marching toward the station. Um, the clones decide that their best course of action at this point is to blow up the base so it stops transmitting the all clear. It's been programmed in a way where they can't just cancel the call. Mm-hmm. And so they decide to go get liquid Tabana gas um, and build a huge bomb to destroy the base. Yeah, a lot, it, of, uh, a lot of Empire references in this one. Yeah, so Tabana gas is what they were mining on um, Cloud City, which is uh, Beldon farts. The farts of an animal. So, Rex gives this rousing speech about fighting for Kamino. Cody, Fives, and Heavy go to fight the droids, the B1s that are advancing on the base, and Echo and Rex set up the bomb. Yularen tries again back at the fleet. He reports that the base is still transmitting all clear, even though he can't raise anybody. Back at the battle, Grievous orders that the clones killed should be killed, and the base should be recaptured. That happens, or before that happens, the bomb isn't sinking with the detonator. Heavy stays behind to fix the bomb while everyone evacuates, but he still can't get them to sink. The droids approach the command center. The B1s this time take control of the command center. This is the third time, fourth time, sorry, that this has changed hands in this episode. Rex and Cody realize Heavy isn't with them, and then over the comm he says he's going to detonate the bomb himself. So sacrifice, mm-hmm. duty to the mission, right? This is what they're bred for. Heavy gets in a huge firefight with the droids. As he moves back toward the fuel tanks, he's shot in the back and is down next to the tanks. He stirs awake and detonates the bomb, destroying the base. Yularen, back at the fleet, says that the all-clear signal from the Rishi station is offline. Grievous is upset on his ship um, that the signal is no longer broadcasting, and the Republic fleet immediately arrives in Grievous retreats. Gunships land to pick up the survivors, which are just Rex, Cody, Five, and Echo. Um, and on the cruiser later, Fives and Echo are getting honored. They are inducted into the 501st with medals. Um, the end. Cool. Yeah, this is a good episode. And, yeah, do you, do you have any commentary on that last little section? Well, it's, it's cool to see how, like, this is how, like, uh, Fives and Echo become, what would be the correct term, become Rex's subordinates, or join Rex's unit, I should say. Yeah, they join his unit, basically. They, they're they under his command after this. Oh, and, like, by the, near the end of Clone Wars, like, they're, they're battle-hardened veterans. Um, yeah, I mean, they don't have a super easy path, these two guys. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Like they, we we've reviewed we've reviewed the first season of Bad Batch, um, on this podcast already, and Echo, the mutilated Echo, is in Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about fives when we talk about fives. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, this is. I'll say this about they went to a lot of trouble making us care about Domino Squadron, and then they killed 60% of them in almost the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's I mean, true. I guess the order the order we're watching it in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we we watched 
watched the training one like four or five episodes ago. And now we're watching the, the squad get wiped out almost. We're down to two out of the original five. And like I said, these two do not have an easy path through this war. Um, overall, I think this is a wonderful episode, though. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's so world-building. It's so wonderful. There's This has all the same pacing problems that I just don't like in Star Wars, where they can be instantaneously anywhere when they have to be. But, um, but yeah, it's it's great. I love it, and I, I'm glad that there's follow up on this attack on Camino later. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you have anything that you specifically want to talk about? Because I've got a lot of notes. Um, just thinking about like when they call, I like the fact that they called them shinies. That you know, yes. instead of calling them you know, uh, green, that's how we would call somebody who's inexperienced. They call them shinies because. Their, their armors don't have any dents or scrapes or any you know, muck or something on them. But at the same time, it gets me thinking that they don't, they're not forced to clean their armor. Um, or at least they don't have, they don't, they have to just make sure that, I guess they just have to make sure that it works. Not that they have to, like, clean it. Like, nobody's complaining about how, like, Echo's armor, like, stinks up the whole barracks or anything like that. Right. Maybe maybe Risha eel blood smells good. Um, it's a good point that I hadn't thought of that. Like, there's a uniform code, obviously, and Filoni. There's there's some material in the supplemental material for this episode, and like the books that the book I sent you and other things that say like like here's the design of the clone uniform, and here are the accessories you can add and take away from it. Um, like the visor, Echo has a visor sometimes, and he doesn't have a visor other times, and, and things like that. Um, but but yeah, there would have to be uniform code, but maybe maybe it's just not possible to keep it shiny, even if you clean it, just mm-hmm. because it, it just gets scratched and things. Um, or they're just constantly they're 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 it's like they don't have like they don't have downtime to right make sure that it's. Um, properly maintained they're just always going from one battle to the next so they can't right. so they think, can't clean it yeah think of any World War 2 movie right and and their uniforms are getting dirty too mm-hmm. right and you, you would think like yeah, yeah you're just too busy to take a toothbrush and like a bottle of turtle wax to your <laughs> to, to your armor <laughs> And and maybe they do clean it at some times, but it. I like the idea that shiny. I like slang. I like that this is slang and it's unique to this situation, this universe, and this group. All right, can I go through some of my, some of my notes? Oh yeah, please do. We hit some of them on the way, but the Filoni had like this little feature read about about these BX commando droids, and he said that he wanted to sort of raise the stakes by having a less comedic villain um, because he says B1s are good for cannon fodder sort of operations where you just need to overwhelm them with num- numbers but it would make sense that you would have a separate unit that was more um, agile and intelligent and and was programmed in a way where they could adapt yeah like if you actually want things to get done you uh... right 
he does point out in his like little featurette that in this particular episode, the commando droids first take control of the base, and then later the B1s take control of the base. So they're both a threat, but they're a different kind of threat. Um, but I like I like these droids. I think they're 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 very animatronic. They're very human looking, and like their joints and things, and, and they're very nimble. It's very fun to see them. Um, when the episode starts, we see an animal flying on Rishi's moon, and this is the um, Nibre Manta model again. And this was seen in the episodes Ambush, Shadow of Malevolence, and in the Clone Wars movie. And so this is a reoccurring animal model from a bunch of episodes, and it appears in a bunch more episodes too. Um, in the commando, in the command center, there are pinup girls. Did you notice that? I didn't. Yeah, there's a Twilight, there's a Twilight pinup girl, and then there is a handmaiden, and I put the handmaiden pinup image in the notes. It's at the bottom. <laughs> there you go. You put that in your spank bank. <laughs> um, I had the note about the Min-Man jumpers, too, because I love that. But uh, on the detonator, when Heavy detonates it, the Arabesh text reads, A-T-T-E rules some text. Huh. There's some Arabesh um, translation for you. Um, you mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, what the hell was that? About how somebody says hell in the yeah. episode. Um, so when this episode originally aired on Cartoon Network, that was the line. People complained in the U.S. and it was removed in the re-airings on Cartoon Network. Um, because it was considered too risque, I guess. God, our stupid puritanical society like, <laughs> oh no hell yeah he said what the hell he's summoned the devil <laughs> yeah um so there so there's a there's a clone in the command center that's whose call sign doesn't have a name so i didn't give him a clone call out but his call number is ct327 um and 327 has to have some significance for George Lucas, but nobody quite knows what what it is, but it appears in his movies over and over again. Um, and the number is stamped on an engine in a car in American Graffiti, and it appears uh, several dozen times in Star Wars, hmm. the number 327. And so maybe something happened on March 27th? I don't know. I was Googling around trying to figure out what it, was, what it meant. No one knows. I couldn't find the meaning of the 327 but um i thought i'd bring it up it's not quite as prevalent as 1138 in star wars and all of his other stuff but it, it is definitely a number that gets reused a lot in star wars um and then my last note here is um about rishi eels i put the concept art for the rishi eel in the notes too mm-hmm. um what, what do you think of this animal that's kind of scary yeah, it's like a trimmer mm-hmm Right, one of those earthworms from Tremors. Um, so, so in the short story, The Perfect Weapon, did you ever read that one? No, I didn't. Yeah, it was an early canon. It was shortly after the Disney purchase of Lucas film. They released this short story called The Perfect Weapon. It was by Delilah Dawson, who goes on to write a ton of great Star Wars this might have been her first, well, probably first canon Star Wars because it was so early. Um, 
but the book is about Bazine Natal. Um, and she's the bounty hunter in The Force Awakens who's in Maz's castle who radios in that that Ray is there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that the Millennium Falcon is there with the BB-8 who's being hunted at the time. Um, and she was with like the big guy who sort of looked like Bosk if Bosk were ten times the size. Um, her fingers are black, but she looks human otherwise. Um, it's revealed in the book that she dyes her her fingers with Rishi eel blood, um, which, which is sometimes called ink, sometimes called blood. Mm-hmm. And so that is a nice callback to this episode um, that Rishi eel ink to dyes her dyes her fingers. Um, so I I can keep going on little bits and bits of trivia about this, but there's a there's a continuity to this episode, so we're going to get some follow up in the future. Um, but do you want to move on to if there's if you have no other notes, do you want to move on to our rating system? Yeah. Okay. All right. So how we rate episodes is we use a character from Star Wars. So a really good episode would be a Han, Luke, Leia. Uh, Vader, Chewbacca, and a really cruddy one would be, let's see, the Ewok Slicer from uh, Last last Shot Ugh. of the book. Wow. <laughs> You're really good at that. <laughs> Man. Yeah. What was he thinking? Do not like... All right, so Matt, what do you give this episode? I mean, I really like it, and I'm sort of in a mood today, and it sets up so much important stuff in the future. I'm going to give it a Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan? Yeah, Bo-Katan, the cartoon Bo-Katan. Not the Katie Sackhoff? Well, she is technically same, both, same, but... same woman. Yeah, <clears throat> um, Bo-Katan. I'm gonna go there. Okay. Do you have a right. Do you have a pick? Yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed this episode as well, and I will give it an Echo. A little on the nose, I suppose, but Echo's a great character, and um, um, this is really good. It sets up a lot of things to come as far as what, what happens with him and with fives and then like the story about um uh camino being attacked or not we'll find out we'll when get we get there, there. <laughs> don't break the timeline yeah we break the timeline all the time <laughs> yeah so i I'll, I'll give it a fives or not sorry not a fives an echo <laughs> oh they're clones and they look alike that's racist all right, so at the end of our episode, we have to determine what we're going to be reviewing next. So we, in order to determine that, we roll a d20 dice, a 20-sided die. And if it roll, if it lands on a 1, we will review an Ewoks episode from the 1985-1986 series Ewoks. And if it lands on any other number... We will review the next episode in the in-universe chronological order of episodes, which in this case is Season 1, Episode 6, Downfall of a Droid. I film the roll and put it on Twitter um, when I post the episode, so are you ready for the roll? All right, I am filming. 
Here it goes. It is a 14. Okay. No Ewoks for us. Yep, we haven't gotten an Ewoks episode yet, but it's always a 5% chance that we yeah. will. Um, so in the next episode we review will be a, will be um, Downfall of a Droid on um, Clone Wars Season 1, Episode 6, and it is a good one. Spoiler alert. Um, so do you want to take us out? Yep. All right. So um, thanks for listening. We don't uh, really do any advertising. Um, so word of mouth is really how people find us. And um, and I guess your snarky comments on uh, social media every now and then. So be sure to let a friend know uh, about our episode if you or our podcast if you really liked it. And uh, if you think we really suck, go ahead and tell somebody that you don't like about it so you waste their commute, assuming that they listen to podcasts on their commute. So we will be back next week with another episode, or next week, who are we kidding? We'll be back (laughs) next time with another episode of Clone Wars. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochvaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Dun, 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 dun,